Welcome to the Mom Manual. Motherhood doesn't come with instructions, but it should. We are on a mission to highlight ordinary moms doing extraordinary things to build the ultimate mom manual. Every week, I have the distinct honor of speaking with women about the lessons they've learned and the inspiration that got them to where they are today. Join us for a conversation that will spark creativity, provide actionable tips, and celebrate the ordinary and extraordinary moments of motherhood. The Mom Manual starts now. Good morning, everyone. Tara Williams here with the Mom Manual. I have another amazing guest for you today. Lauren Lobley is a wellness coach, a podcast host, a mom, and a pastry chef turned cookbook author. Amazing. A little bit of everything, Lauren. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Thank you. I'm the, the quintessential Gemini right there. I'm a multi-passionate I, entrepreneur. <laughs> I, love, I love the pastry chef at the end. It's like the pastry <laughs> chef. Lauren, tell us about yourself and what you're going to talk to our listeners about today. Let me see. Um, I am originally from Montreal. Uh, I grew up in Canada and then I moved to Los Angeles. Oh my gosh, like 14 years ago, I used to work for Lululemon. And then um, I got into cooking because I happened to be a terrible manager. I got promoted really quickly and I was like, cool, I'm a manager. You've got to listen to what I say nope, that's not actually how you lead people. And I found that out very quickly and incidentally got into cooking for my staff and having them over for dinner and bringing food into work for them. And it really broke down barriers between us and helped me learn a lot about myself and a lot about leadership and management. So I got into food and food is such a, it's so disarming. So I got into doing that. And then after Lululemon, I went to culinary school and then I became a pastry chef and I worked for Duff Goldman from Ace of Cakes. I don't know if anybody remembers that original Food Network cake show. He was the original. And then I met my husband and he owned a yoga studio in Malibu. And I just got into more of the healthy lifestyle, became a health coach, and then we got married and I became a mom and my whole world imploded. In the best (laughs) way? Yeah. I was like, I have babysat before. I have a younger sibling. I know what I'm doing. And then, you know, what happens when you have a kid is you start questioning, at least for me, I can only speak for myself and that's what I'll share about today. But for me, It just started making me question everything about who I was, what my contribution was to the world, who I was as a person, who I was as a mother and all of the things. And then so eventually I shifted away from the health coaching and cooking world and eventually started a podcast because what I realized is there's so much preparation for women in pregnancy and like, here's what you need to on your baby registry. And here's all the things that like all the the nursery items and all this stuff, but there was nothing about, oh, by the way, you're going to have a huge identity crisis. So yeah. and also you might have prolapse or you might have diastasis recti, or you might have all of these things associated with carrying a bowling ball in your yeah. belly for nine plus months. And I have a reel that went viral because it was about the six week postpartum checkup, which is just not supportive. And there's so much that we can be doing for women between the time they leave the hospital with their child and that six week postpartum checkup and beyond. Yeah. And so I 
just started looking for my own resources. I found a pelvic health specialist who helped me with my diastasis, but it took so much effort for me to even find out that I had that condition in the first place and then to find an expert. And I was like, this is unacceptable. So I shifted focus and uh, started a podcast in 2020 when I had, I think my son was six months at the time and my daughter was three and a half. Ever since then, I've just been passionate about helping women find resources that will actually support their life postpartum. What I would say, if there's a theme of my podcast, it is that there is no support for women after they are pregnant. The six-week check-in is not acceptable to anybody. There's really no resources offered for mom. People are really struggling. If it's from postpartum depression to, like you said, public floor specialist, which I seriously hear on every single episode, I'm like, what is that? I didn't even know that that was a person of a mm-hmm. job to do. Our last episode, that was our entire conversation. You know, as an entrepreneur, I keep thinking, man, what, what can I do? Because a lot of people who, again, on this podcast, they come on and they have these resources of like connecting community, but I, I don't think there's been any singular place that has really done it on a scale level, right? Like there's a lot of women who are trying to, you know, make an app or connect on Instagram, but it doesn't, it's still at this point in 2023, I don't believe there's a central place that like everybody's going to learn this information. Mm -mm. And it still seems hidden for some reason, which is really odd. And, you know, if we got into like a bigger political conversation, I think people would say, well, you know, historically everything's been run by men and they don't care about women. And, you know, like it it could go sideways. But I mean, the fact of the matter is people just aren't feeling supported. Right. And they're trying Mm -hmm. to find these resources on their own. So tell me a little bit about you're not doing the coaching anymore, but what does that look like when you work? So I'm always so interested in life coaching, how people get into that, like what that looks like, who you meet with, what the common problems are. Yeah. Well, I'm not doing health coaching anymore, but I'm reopening up wellness coaching for moms because the theme is with, even in my sessions as a health coach, your nutrition goals and challenges are that's, it's like your toddler having a tantrum. It's not about the Cheerios that fell on the floor. It's about something deeper. And that's the thing that I found as a theme in health coaching is like, there's something deeper going on psychologically that is keeping you from your health goals. So as I've started this podcast, I like, I've got a lot of women in my DMS who are like, thank you for that post. I feel seen. And I will have voice messages back and forth with them. And what I do now is I'm basically like a therapist in your pocket. I'm not a licensed therapist or counselor, but us moms have, because we have no support to be able to talk to another mom yeah, and ask her like a question that she may feel embarrassed to ask somebody yes. else. Or she's like, am I going crazy? Like I've been doing these mom definitions on Instagram. I defined mom brain and mom rage, and yeah. I'm going to be putting up the like a definition of stay at home mom. And I did medical mom, like the motherhood is just so nuanced. And half the time, we don't even know what to ask for, because we don't even know what we're feeling. And we don't even know what we need. So I'm reopening up wellness coaching, and it's going to be for pregnant moms, and helping 
them prepare for baby in a way that I wish that somebody had prepared me. And then postpartum, I'm also working on a a postpartum course with an actual licensed therapist friend of mine and a pelvic health specialist to help, you know, bring all those muscles back together. So that coaching really is, is just support. It's just what we're not getting after all of those visits during our pregnancy we're not getting somebody who's just going to listen to what we're going through and who's going to offer support. We don't get that. So that's what I'm trying to offer. Yeah. And I I think that the mental health conversation took, you know, a 10 year leap forward during COVID because it was such a time of crisis. If we really take a step back, I mean, what the practitioners and the OBGYNs, and we know how the medical system works and it's just like get people in and out as fast as possible. And they're, they're not incentivized to have people sit and have a 45 minute conversation. But I think what they're missing is they're looking at us physically, right? They're saying, you know, we're going to touch your belly here and we're going to do the ultrasound and we're going to, you know, ask you, we're going to evaluate your urine, right? Like the physical, but they're not asking the mental questions. And I feel like that's really like really the theme of all of this. And they're not giving any advice on those mental questions either. And you know, I don't I don't know how much you work with postpartum depression, but we've had several people come on the show who either had, you know, a range from mild to like really bad postpartum depression, or they work with people with postpartum depression. It's just so common. Same mm-hmm. thing with, you know, pelvic floor, I'll say issues, right? Because there's kind of, again, a whole scale and range. It's yeah so common. And I have four children did not even know there were pelvic floor specialists. Like that is odd. Why would an OBGYN never mention that now to my OBGYN's defense? I don't think I ever needed one, but I, on our last episode, they were saying in Europe, it's part of your, you know, six week, they, they do way more than six week checkups, but it's just part of the care spectrum for anybody. Like if you need it, Mm -hmm. don't need it, think you need it because every single person who has a baby, what did you say earlier? Push, push a bowling ball out. Um, they can benefit from doing some kind of exercises. Today's episode was brought to you by dreamland baby. I want to introduce you to a product that hundreds of thousands of parents use to help their baby sleep, the Dreamland Baby Weighted Sleep Sack. Hi, I'm Tara Williams, host of the Mom Manual and founder of Dreamland Baby. When my son Luke was six months old, he was still waking up every hour and a half. I was completely exhausted, frustrated, and at my wits end. Sound familiar? My solution to create a gently weighted sleep sack that babies can safely wear to help them feel calm, fall asleep faster, and stay asleep longer. The award-winning doctor-approved Dream Weighted Sleep Sack and Swaddle features our proprietary cover calm technology, evenly distributed weight from your baby's shoulders to toes to help naturally reduce stress and allow your little one to feel relaxed and sleep soundly. If you're struggling to get your baby to sleep for longer stretches and go down easier, you're not alone. This product was a game changer for my son and can be for your family too. And right now we've got a special discount exclusive to mom manual listeners. Use code MOMMANUAL15 at checkout to get 15% off site-wide. Isn't it time for you to invest in rest? Let's jump in. So you're going to talk about a couple of things today. And one of them is 
this idea of releasing control and letting go of expectations. Let's jump into that. Yeah. When I became a mom, like a few months in, I was like, I'm going to write a blog post called the death of a moleskin planner because my life was ruled by my moleskin planner. I still, to this day in 2023, need to write everything down. My planner is never far from me. It's right behind me. I love a good planner. And yeah, who is listening. I'm a pen and paper girl. I'm like, I'm not, I love my planner. Same. I just, there's, there's muscle memory that happens. I still journal when I can in the morning, like it's important for me, but I'm, I'm very type a, I've always been that way. I'm call it because I'm a middle child or whatever you want to call it, but I've just always needed to be in control and need to know what's coming. And like, is everybody okay? And always taking the temperature of the room and making sure that I'm, I don't know, just like fitting in. Mm. And so with the need to have everything's scheduled and know what's coming, you know, as soon as you have a child, that's not a thing anymore. And I had all the parenting books open. Okay. This is what we're going to do. And this is how she's going to sleep. And this is the method I'm going to follow. And it just like to watch it all crumble and fall apart in front of me was so, it was, it was so hard for me because I was so beholden to my calendar and to my schedule. And like, I almost equated my value with the check marks that I could get off my list. And And that's that's like a type A personality, right? Would you say? Completely. So the, the idea of releasing control and letting go of expectations was actually something that I had pushed up against for the first seven years in, but um, especially for that first year, because I was like, no, she's supposed to do what the book said. No, she's supposed to be on this schedule. No, she's supposed to latch like this. I spent so much of my energy bucking up against reality. I work with a life coach myself and we were having a session and I was so mad because I, my second child, my son is not a very good sleeper. Okay. And my daughter was colic for the first four months. And then she was an amazing sleeper and she still is, but he's never been able to sleep through the night more than a handful of times. I was having this night where he wouldn't sleep and I had my period and I had night sweats and I was sweating and he was on top of me. And I was so angry because I was just like, this isn't the way it's supposed to be. And my life coach said, Lauren, every time you deny what reality is, you cause your own suffering. So as you're laying, so every time you deny what reality is, you cause your own suffering. So how do you unpack that? Cause I'm like, what does that mean? So I'm laying there and I'm sweating and my son is on top of me. And the story I'm telling myself is this sucks. This shouldn't be this way. He should be sleeping. I followed all the books. This should be happening. And yeah. what is that doing to me? That right. is causing me all sorts of things. It's causing me to feel like a failure. It's causing me to feel shame. It's causing me to be angry at my infant son who does not know any better. And it's taking away my ability to sleep. Like I'm still laying down. I could still be sleeping, but no, I'm telling myself these stories about how it should be. Mm -hmm. So she's, my coach was like, that's crazy making. That's like the definition of insanity. It's like looking at the color green and saying, no, that's red. And it's really, you're just setting yourself up for, I, I don't know if failure is the right word, but like not to experience joy, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that's what I was doing. And that's where the idea of letting go of control, like release the control, release your expectations and, and lean into what is happening. 
because there's in motherhood, there's no more planning like children. They're their own human being. You don't have control over other human beings. And that can be such a hard lesson for anybody to learn, especially if you're type A and you're used to things going as they're quote unquote supposed to go because you planned them out that way. That is still a lesson that I continue to learn is just, I don't have control of the situation. Now, the flip side of that, some people might be listening, but going, okay, yeah, but, and this is what I said to my life coach. Yeah, but I have to sleep. Like I can't go on my life like this. I have to sleep. So she's like, yes, the time to work on that problem is not in the moment when there's nothing you can do, right? but lean in. The time is when you're awake, then you strategize. You have a conversation with your partner about, okay, what is our plan? How are we going to, you know, work with his sleep? Should we take him to an occupational therapist? Should we take him to a chiropractor? Should we see if he's got a tongue tie? Should we see, you know, like, it doesn't mean that you have to just accept the reality forever. It just means in that moment, accept what's going on and then use it as material for what you can then go and have a conversation about when, you know, it's daylight and there's something. You you know what? This, this reminds me of, I was in this exact situation. So it's not just, you know, it, it, for the listeners are like, Oh, I don't, I don't have a baby at the moment, but this happened last night. My, I have four children and I'm running a business and you know, we have just a million things going on at all times. And so last night we signed up to go to bingo, right. With a bunch (laughs) of our friends. And so it's like, it's, we're trying to do something fun. And so between I have myself, I have a full-time 45 hour per week nanny and my husband, the three of us, I, and, and I fully support like the um, sister wife concept. I need a sister wife. I have uh-huh. to be one, but so the three of us like tag team the kids. And so we had to, the, the bingo started at six, but one of my daughters had danced until 545. I'm the lacrosse coach from five to six. And then my other daughter got out at 615 from soccer. And so I'm like, okay, we're scheduling all this stuff. And, you know, I, I meet with um, our nanny's name, Sophia. She's amazing. We meet on Sunday. We review the schedule for the week. And like, I feel like that's a full-time job, even just like managing the schedule to tell somebody to execute the schedule. Yeah. But so we meet, apparently we've had some rain. So the field changed, which changed the time for my daughter's soccer. I didn't see the team snap update. So she went at the wrong time. And it was like, you know, I was so upset at myself because she is on a highly competitive team and like cannot miss. And she was super sick last week, missed school the entire week, which has never happened before. So miss soccer all week, which is three practices. And so she missed the practice. And so my husband calls me and he's like, I'm trying to find her like at the field. Cause Sophia dropped her off and there, there's a whole bunch of other kids there, whatever. And, and I'm, on speaker with my two boys, like driving home from me coaching lacrosse, trying to get to the bingo on time. And then he says, oh, by the way, there's a dress code. And I'm like, a dress code of what? And he's like, well, you have to wear a dress because it's at, it was at a country club. Right. And so I'm like, okay, so I need to go home 
And I'm, I'm in the moment. I'm just so like, I'm so upset at myself. And I'm like, we need to reevaluate this schedule. Like I can't have all four kids schedule. Like this is too much on me. It's changing all the time with the weather. Cause my son's lacrosse is changing as well. And I was like, I can't keep track. This is the second time somebody went to the wrong place at the wrong time. Like I need your help. What are we going to do? And he's like, well, you know, and it's like, I'm in the car, I'm driving, I'm upset. And I'm trying to make a solution in that moment. And what you said just clicked with me. Cause it's like, okay, let's not, yes, we need a new game plan. Yes. We need a new strategy or a new system. Like something here is not working. If we've had two kids go to the wrong field within a couple of weeks, but this is not the time to figure that out. Right. And so that is just, it's like, it's chaos. And then it breeds a fight with my husband. And then we meet at bingo and we're both upset with each other. And right. And it's just like, it's on and on. If I had just paused and said, okay, it's really upsetting, but let's talk about it you know, later tonight, then we could have had like a sane conversation, but you know, this is so much easier to say in hindsight. So like totally in that moment, what are some techniques that you can use to, you know, is this breathing? Is it like, what is it in that moment to just calm down and yeah. be able to even push the conversation. What, what do you recommend? Well, for sure, breathing, taking deep breaths, because breathing, I think is the only system in the body that is both voluntary and involuntary. So you don't have to tell your body to breathe, but you can also tell your body to breathe intentionally. And when you do that, studies have shown that it calms down the autonomic nervous system. So it actually takes you down. Even if it's only by a percentage point, it takes you down. And uh, there's a technique I do from Andrew Weil, Dr. Andrew Weil, that's the four, seven, eight technique. So you breathe in for four counts through your nose, you hold for seven counts, and then you breathe out for eight counts through your mouth. And you do that four times. There's also box breathing where you breathe in for a count of four, you hold for a count of four, you breathe out for a count of four, and then you hold the out breath for a count of four. I think it's the Navy SEALs who use that a lot to calm down on very high stress missions and situations. Uh, that I, I am a Navy SEAL. You should have a definition being Navy SEAL mom. <laughs> oh, I'm going to write that down actually. I will. So Navy SEAL mom. Okay. So breathing, breathing for sure. The other thing is you've got to manage the thoughts in your head. We're so good at beating ourselves up. I'm really good at beating myself up. Yeah. Like you just said, I was so hard on myself. Like how, how could I not have looked at the schedule? How could I not have known that? Well, because you're human and you're, you're the CEO of a company and you're the CEO of your household. And like you said, just because you have help, it's like women get triggered. I get triggered when my husband's like, how can I help? I'm like, why don't you just know? Like, it's too much for me to have to think about, like to have to think to tell you what to do is another job. Like it's called at, in business, it's called being a CEO. You have to delegate, but you have to think of the, the game plan first. So it's just more on our plate. Yeah. So yeah. when I'm having those spiraling conversations in my head, one of the things I'll do is name the voice that's mm. bothering me. Yeah. So like, listen, Sheila, that's not helpful. Or call her Brenda or call her, and no offense if you're and Brenda or Karen, or whatever the name is, like pick a name that makes you laugh because laughter will diffuse the situation. Yeah. So in that yeah. moment, just be like, listen, bunny, this mm-hmm. is not helpful. This sucks right now. Acknowledge the feelings. You're allowed to like, you're allowed to feel your feelings. This sucks right now and it doesn't feel good and we'll fix it later. And right now it's not helpful for you to be berating me. So 
thank you so much. I've heard you. Now I'm going to change the station to something different. So you can do that. Name the voice in your head. Be in conversation with that voice that's trying to beat you up. Yeah. You have to, because it starts to shift the conversation. And instead of that being your default thought, now you're interrupting that pattern and that neural pathway. And you're saying, nope, we're going to go this way. Yeah. Another thing you can do if, if like, if you were in the car, find a song that you like and put it on and be like, you know what, kids, <laughs> we messed up. We missed this practice. Let's put on a fun song and diffuse the situation that way. You know, Tony Robbins will, and many people do this at their conferences, they put on music before the beginning of each segment and they make people stand up and dance. And I've been to a lot of these conferences and usually I'm the one with my hands like, oh, come on, like, I don't want to, but it's because they're trying to change your state. Yeah. When you change your state, your whole body changes and then your mind follows. Yeah. Yeah. You know, as you're saying that, I'm just thinking about all these, um, Oh my gosh. Who's the podcaster I follow? Rachel, Rachel Hollis, who oh, yeah. fell out of my favor after she had that scandalous divorce or whatever, because I listened to her and her husband all the time talking about how great their marriage was, all the things they did. And then they're like, Oh, by the way, we're getting divorced. And I'm like, is there no truth in this world anymore? Yeah. Um, but she would always, I mean, I think she, she's kind of like the female Tony Robbins, right? So she would always talk about how it's, it's the music. And then what I've been doing, this is so funny. I've been doing this without even realizing it. I've been putting on classical music because mm. it's calming to myself, but I've started putting it on with my kids because especially at night, it's like, I'm trying to set a tone to mm. the mood. And one other thing we do at night is kind of room by room. We start like turning off the lights. So it's like, we're like herding the children up the stairs to bed where it's like, all right, this room is off. This room is off. And it's these subtle things, but it's like, we're, we're like, okay, this mood is now you're shutting your brain down. You are now getting quiet and we talk slow and we talk soft. And these are all these, because bedtime for kids, as you can imagine, it's just every night someone is hungry. They are thirsty. They forgot their homework. They forgot to tell a friend something. They have to tell me something. Somebody's leg hurts. They need a bandaid. I mean, it's like we have, we used to be really good at it and something along the way has fallen off, but that's like our chaos every night. And so it's like, we have these preemptive defense methods to alleviate this chaos. And we have kind of this strategy. So I love, love, love the music. I mean, if you think about it with sports, right? Like I played sports my whole life into college soccer and your warm up tape, right? Is these high intensity, you know, like let's go type songs. And that is, I think in motherhood, like we don't really think about that, right? No. No. So are we trying to pump our kids up? Are we trying to put on classical and get them quiet? And what yeah. are we doing for ourselves? Like, I love that. Talk to me more about that. So there's music, there's breathing, there's talking, like naming the voices in your head. Outside of the situation, I do something called morning pages whenever I can. I realize not everybody can. And I wasn't able to do this for a long time because of my kids' sleep schedule. But morning pages is from Julia Cameron, who wrote The Artist's Way. Her newest book is called Seeking Wisdom, which is really good too. And you get up and you just write and you put your pen on the paper and you don't lift it for three pages. Oh. Even if it's to write, yeah, you don't lift it. Even if you're writing, this is dumb. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not a writer. I um, hate this, blah, blah, yeah. blah. Oh, did I turn the oven off? Oh, what am I going to make for dinner tonight? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm so mad at so-and-so. Oh my gosh, that comment on Instagram yesterday. And what happens, the idea is to get all the gunk out and yeah. then it gets you deeper into your truth. 
Right, right. And also probably, probably will have the effect of you might not lose it on your husband or your child that day because you already wrote it out in your journal. So that's one of the things that I do outside of that situation of that energetically charged situation where I'm beating myself up and wishing that the reality was different than it actually is and causing myself suffering because of it. Next to my desk here, and I have this little card and it says, enjoy the simple pleasures, right? What Mm -hmm. about looking at phrases or I feel like mantras were like really hot for a while. You know, you are worthy, you are beautiful. Mm -hmm. Like, is that, is that something that's in your kind of tool belt? Yeah. So I listen, I don't know if you're familiar with Abraham Hicks. Mm-mm. You so Abraham, all the people. I know. I kind of, I, I love Lululemon, it. I have to say working for Lululemon really set me up for this like self-development, personal development journey. Yeah. I worked with Lululemon before they went public. So even when they were still like mom and pop yeah. company, which now they're, they're very big and they're very corporate, but they still do have this emphasis on personal development. But so Abraham Hicks is a non-physical entity. And the first time I listened, I was like, what is this? It didn't really make a lot of sense. But so one of the mantras that I've adopted from them is everything is always working out for me. Mm. And I repeat that. And they they say, and I do mean they, because they're a non-physical entity. So I know I'm Wait, getting sorry, like- what, what, what does that mean? What are you saying? So it's apparently this woman, Esther Hicks. channels this non-physical entity called Abraham. So they, they are, they, they are not a, this is where it gets weird. And that's why I'm like, you know, I'm not going to try to understand (laughs) if my brain tries to understand that piece, then I'm, then I'm going to miss the good stuff, which is the message. So we're talking about like a ghost, like a fictitious ghost, I guess, or like it, I don't, let's call it a ghost. We'll just call it a ghost. (laughs) But this woman channels and the, the whole thing is like, you're supported. The universe spins on its axis. You know, you know, we cannot, we can explain how the body works. We cannot explain how our organs got to where they are. We can't explain why, you know, we have sex and a baby can and come and how we the baby grows and we don't do anything about it. like there's so many magical things about our existence that I think we just kind of like skip over well, and some people call that religion right some people call that religion yes but so with a like that's where for me it's magic and I actually did grow up in a haunted house so I really <sighs> believe in these things and I know that sounds wacky but like literally every member of my family had a different experience with this girl ghost who was a little girl who was my friend. So that's a time for another. another Okay. You're coming back on the podcast to talk about haunted houses. Yeah. And, and at the time I didn't know that it was a ghost. I just thought that it was anyway. So I might have a sense, more sensitive, more accepting view of things like a non-physical entity that's channeling whatever. Mm -hmm. So if that, if anybody's having a hard time wrapping your heads around that, don't worry about that part. Worry about the message, which is, and it's true. The thoughts that you tell yourself equals the quality of your life, right? So if you're walking around all day saying, I'm a bad mom, I messed that up. My kid is not sleeping and it's my fault. I'm a terrible wife. Like those are the, if those are the thoughts that you're telling yourself all day long, that equals the quality of your life. That is the life that you are ordering constantly. If you want to change your life, you've got to change your thoughts. So from the Abraham Hicks, the mantra that I adopted was everything is always working out for me. And there's a sweet spot of saying it for 17 seconds. And then it's an even sweeter spot for saying it 
68 seconds or something about like it starts to change the the neural the neural pathways in your brain. So I would say pick a mantra like that. Good things are always happening to me. Today yeah. is going to be a wonderful day. Today has been amazing. Amazing things have happened to me today. Everything yeah. is always working out for me. It's not to deny that crappy things are happening, but right. there are also good things happening too. Right. And we have a tendency to focus on what's going wrong. And especially as women who can literally expand to create life, we can do anything. We literally can do anything, we but we judge ourselves. Person. Yes. But we judge ourselves when right. we don't do everything. Yeah. And we're, and then we're burnt out. And then we have these thoughts in our heads that are not helpful. So my, I always, as soon as I feel like the anxiety coming up, I just say, everything's always working out for me. Everything is always working out for me. Everything is always working out for me. Okay. So this is, there's so much to unpack here. So first off on my refrigerator growing up, we had a phrase and it said, if you think you can, you can, if you think you can't, you can't. And I just, I think that resonates so much with kids because it's just a very easy message to understand. Like if you think you can do something like you can do it. If you think you can't, like you will never be able to accomplish it. So like in very simple terms, anybody can understand that. But what I love, and I think I actually read it in the book, You Are a Badass. I think that's Mm -hmm. where the first time I heard it and it said basically what you're saying just in a different way, but it's something like the world is working for you or like, no, life is working for you. Life is happening for you, not to you. Yes. Yes. So life is happening for you not to you. Jensen Hero, you are a badass. Yes. That is where I heard that for the first time. And I thought it was so profound because I'm one of five kids and I'm the oldest. Me and my siblings are all pretty similar. Like we look kind of the same. We have similar personalities in a way to, to the degree of like, we're all extroverts. Four of us played college sports. Like we're all just, what I think is really cool and unique about my family of origin Each of my siblings, if I just, I have three brothers and one sister. And if I met them in high school, for example, I would want to be friends with them. Like Mm. we are very similar people, which is amazing. And we're all, we are all super close. Like my sister is my best friend, ride or die. So we are very similar. Like, and so I have twin brothers and then I have a brother um, in the middle. And then I have me and my sister who look alike. So people would always say to us, to my parents, like, oh, you have two sets of twins. So if you can imagine, my sister looks physically similar to me. We sound exactly the same. Like we're very similar, but there's one critical difference. I believe the world and anything is happening for me. Like my life is happening for me. And she believes life is happening to her. Yeah. Which is very weird because we had the same parents. We had the same opportunities. In fact, we went to the same college. I mean, like we literally are the same person, but we have this one key difference and it changes the outlook of everything. Mm -hmm. And I always say to her, like, I want to be her life coach where I'm like, Lisa, come on, you know, like get fired up, like do this. And it's like, oh, everything's a crisis. Everything's overwhelming. You know, this is a problem and that's a problem. And we even, we married similar people in similar professions. I mean, like when I tell you, we live like a parallel life, but I always, I look at things where I'm just like, when there's more on my plate, like I thrive where Mm -hmm. she shuts down. 
I, I've always thought it was so interesting because, and my mom is super optimistic and my dad's like very pessimistic, right? Like everything is like oh, a crisis. And so I think she got that more from my dad, but we've always, and we've talked about this. It's not like I'm sharing some secret of hers on this podcast, but we've, we've always said like, why do you think, you know, is it nature versus nurture? It's obviously not nurture because we have the same experience, but like, why do you think so differently? And why can't you like just unstick yourself from that, if you will? Mm-hmm. So what do you think about that? Like, do you think people are born with a certain mentality and then it's like, it's up to you to do the work or it's just, that's who you are. What's your thoughts on that? Well, there's this writer, Steven Pinker. I don't know where he got the data, but he says that parenting is only 10% of Hmm. how somebody's going to turn out. And I think he based some of that on the twin studies where they, this was very unethical, right? To like separate twins at birth and then, years later, you see that they are very similar. And actually I have a personal story. My friend had a son he did not know until the boy was nine. And then they had, they have this relationship and I'm like, I look at them and I'm like, dude, you guys are the same. Like you have the same gestures. You look at the world the same way. You say the same thing. It's wild. They didn't. Yeah. It's wild. So I do think it's, it's definitely something that you're born with and you can be influenced by your environment, but so my life coach calls this the curriculum of life. So what's the curriculum of life offering me today? Okay. The curriculum of life is offering me, um, uh, being late, showing up to the wrong field, not having a dress for bingo. That's the, what is the lesson in here that I am not seeing? Maybe the lesson is, oh, shoot, I there I go again, putting too much on my plate. I need to not put so much on my plate. Every time I say yes to something, I'm saying no to something else. Right. So so the curriculum of my life today is offering me that I get to say yes to myself next time, right. even if it means disappointing someone else, someone else, or even me, because I really wanted to go to bingo. But the reality is that didn't fit into my life. It made me stressed out. The experience of your life is and where you're at in your life is how you're going to come to look at things. So your sister, in my opinion, is just probably, she may never get there. And this is where the woo stuff comes in, where Um, we all have a soul contract. I think when we, when we come into this life, Carolyn Miss uh, wrote a book, I think it's called soul contracts. I'm not sure, but I forget what the name of the book is. She's written a lot of stuff, but she's like, basically, and this is, this is a belief, right? You have a contract, your soul has a contract before you come into this world. So a lot of people believe like your children chose you and your husband to be their parents. And there was a contract. And for me, that has helped me to explain like, why do some kids get cancer and terminal illnesses? That doesn't make any sense to me. And well, they had a soul contract and they, that was, you can look at it as it was predetermined because that was part of the curriculum of their life. And it was part of the curriculum of the life of the people they chose to come through or the people who were in it. And I actually take comfort in that because otherwise I don't think I would ever get out of bed because so people like your sister might be like, all of these people died in the earthquake in Turkey and Syria. How am I supposed to go on with my life? Like everything's great. That's, one of the things that I thought, like after the shootings in Uvalde, like I was like, how am I supposed to get on Instagram and get on my podcast and be like, oh, everything's fine when it's not. There's so much bad in the world. If you look for it, there's also so much good. And 
the way, and this might help your sister, the way that my life coach explained it to me, she's like, Lauren, there's three kinds of business. Mm-hmm. There's your business. Right. There's my business. Yeah. And there's God's business. Yeah. She's like, you can't meddle it. You can't do anything about my business. Right. And she said, is the shooting at Uvalde, this was when that happened. Is that your business or God's business? I was like, it's God's business. She's like, great. So for you to go on, you can't do anything about that. But if you're just going to go on like sad and not enjoying the fullness of your life, is that really honoring the people who lost their lives? You still get to to have your life. And I was like, gosh, it's so good. (laughs) Right. So that could be helpful for your sister too. But, and as we know, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. Yes. So you can expose her to that information. And there might be something that happens in her life that finally gets her to see that she has a choice to see the good or to see the bad. But right now she's getting a payoff from seeing the bad. Yeah. And she will be mad at you for saying that, but she's getting a payoff. Yeah. When she gets to be mad, a lot of the time it's that they get to stay small and they get to stay in victimhood because stepping into something bigger is vulnerable. And that means they have to take accountability for their actions or their moods. But I have, I, I know a lot of people like your sister. I have siblings who are the same and I love them dearly and family members and friends. And that's just how they see the world. And you cannot make them see it any other way. So you think there's no amount of like counseling or unpacking or like, no, that's just who you are. Wow. And until you have your own experience, because again, going back to the soul contract and the curriculum of your own life, until you have an experience that cracks you open enough, that makes you go, you know what? I don't want to be a victim anymore. I don't want to feel crappy when I wake up in the morning, actually. I do want to see all the good stuff that's happening around all the bad. You can't make somebody have that experience. Okay. This, this is like, wow. Wow. I love this stuff, by the way. I always say this, like in high school, I wanted to be a life coach. And this is like in early 2000s, right? Like a life coach was a thing on an LA TV show. Like it was not a, it was not a thing. And I was like, I want to help other people like be their best self. And I always felt that my life was predetermined for some greatness of this like greater cause that Mm -hmm. was just innately in me where I was like, I'm going to do something that's exceptional. Like I always felt that from the time I was a little kid and I, and I don't think I've done it yet. So I'm like, I don't, you know, Mm -hmm. I, I I have this business, right. And I am helping this year. We will help a million families sleep. So that's pretty exceptional, but over a million, but I, I still think there's something I'm like, but now what am I going to do with that? Right. Because I have a platform and now I have a voice and like, I don't know, but I'm always thinking like, what is this contribution I'm going to make to the world? And it's almost this, like you, you borderline on like narcissist, right? Because it's like this delusional reality, but yeah. I, and I think it's, it's just interesting. Cause I have friends who are like, no, like, I don't want to do anything exceptional. I'm not exceptional. And I'm like, everybody's exceptional. Like you can choose to be exceptional. Like that is your choice. But okay. We could talk about this all day, Lauren. Oh my gosh. I, this stuff is just like, I thrive on this. I have so many notes from this curriculum of life, soul contract. Like I am going to dig into those things because that is so interesting to me. You have an offer for everyone. So tell us what your offer is, 
where can everybody find you? Because after this conversation, I know a lot of people are going to be reaching out. For sure. And add human design to your list. So there's human design. I think there's five different archetypes. I think there's generator, projector, manifester, manifesting generator. And I forget the fifth one. If there is one, look that up because that determines who wants to come in here and make a splash and who wants to come in here and generate because the visionaries need people who are going to execute. So there are people whose passion is to be the worker. Like I see your passion. I'm going to help you execute that by doing the work. Yes, 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 yes. So just like, so that there's an order of things, right? I would just look into that. And then one final thing for you, and then I'll tell everybody the offer is there's a podcast I love by Cara Lowenthal, who's a thought coach. Yeah, Um, It's called unf asterisk CK your life. I don't know if we're allowed to swear on this podcast. (laughs) um, And she had this thing because I'm always like you, like a high achiever. I need to, um, I need to achieve. I need to be better. It's not narcissistic. You're here to serve Mm -hmm. just like reframe it like that. How can I serve? You will never reach your full potential in this lifetime because once you reach your full potential, you die. Oh, think of a flower. A flower starts as a seed, then it grows, then it's a bud, then it reaches its full its full potential. And then what happens? It dies. Oh. So you're not here to reach your full potential in this lifetime. Gosh. You're here to reach a mountain. Full potential. And then another mountain. And then another mountain. And then another mountain. And then another mountain. So just for your for your brain to understand. You are exceptional. You are doing exceptional things. You have done exceptional things and you will continue to do more until you die. And by the way, for anybody to be exceptional, you don't have to achieve. That's the way your expression of exceptional is. But to be exceptional could just be that you are this 75 year old grandma sitting at the coffee shop who just had a conversation with a stranger and it made that stranger feel seen and heard. And that was exceptional. And that is your contribution to the world. So you don't have to be or like have a title in order to be exceptional or achieve. So I will leave you with that. So I love all this. Oh my gosh, Lauren. It's so good. Yay. So the offer I have for everybody listening, if you want to go deeper in these conversations, because all of this stuff can apply to motherhood and I've got two children and I've been, I haven't, I can't say I've been through everything because we don't go through everything, but I've been through a lot and I've had a lot of conversations with myself back and forth and with a lot of different moms and like you with a lot of different experts on the podcast over the last two and a half years. So I'm reopening my practice to uh, for, for wellness coaching for moms, uh, pregnant moms, postpartum moms, and then moms who are no matter how many years postpartum, but just feel like they're lost and they're like the quality of their life just doesn't feel good. It just feels mundane and they don't feel excited in the morning and they don't feel excited during the day and they just try to get through the day and they want something different. And that can include like nutrition coaching and health coaching, but really it's deeper than that. So the offer is a one hour free consultation. I love that. Yeah. So I'm, it should be up on my website by the time this podcast is out. If not, you can just, we'll I'll get, put it. We'll get it on the show notes too. And yeah. one thing, uh, Lauren, that I would love, we'll email after, but to get like your top couple podcasts, top couple books, because you yeah. touched on a couple and they're, they're ones I haven't heard of. Um, but if people are looking for you, where can they find you? 
So I am most active on Instagram and I answer every single DM that I ever get and every single comment, because if you're going to take the time to reach out to me, I'm going to take the time to reach back out to you. um, Because I really do feel like I'm here to serve the community of moms. So it's at the mom feed podcast on Instagram. And then I'm happy to put my email in the show notes for everybody. Uh, But that's where you can find me. And then the website is themomfeed.com. I love that. Thank you so much, Lauren. Have a great day. You too.